Welcome to the Chatting in Manhattan radio show with your host Kim Ward and Garth Sandiford. Hosts that go past the biographies of individuals to bring you the real stories behind the greatest minds and most inspiring people. Join us as we put our guests into the spotlight to reveal the greatness that has brought them success. Chatting in Manhattan. The story starts where the biography ends. So, put your hands together and be inspired with the Chatting in Manhattan radio show. Welcome to the Chatting in Manhattan show. I'm your host, Kim Ward. And I'm Garth Sandiford. Today we welcome Hall of Fame deep sea diver and one of the stars of the Discovery Channel show, Treasure Quest Snake Island, the bold, the beautiful Megan Haney Greer. Megan, welcome to the Chatting in Manhattan show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. You have an extensive bio, so it's like I don't even know where to begin, but let's first say that your show, (laughs) Treasure Quest Snake Island, airs tonight on Discovery Channel at 10 p.m. Eastern, and I'm looking forward to watching that. But before we talk about the show, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure, sure. Well, I'm a lifelong adventurer. I um, am a water woman at heart. And I have an extensive uh, extensive background working underwater. So back in 1996, I established the first free dive record for men and women in the U.S. in the constant weight category. And, you know, that launched me into a bunch of really exciting and fun underwater work, like stunt diving for movies like Pirates of the Caribbean and Into the Blue. And I also have my degree in biology and anthropology. And I've worked extensively and researched, um, worked on extensively with marine predators uh, like sharks and alligators. And uh, yeah, I guess it all kind of equates to, you know, how I landed on this team that I've kind of uh, gotten really good at working well under pressure over the years, which came in handy with Snake Island. <laughs> Well, when I was reading your bio, I was like laughing because you're a former model and then now you're working with sharks and alligators and you dive into the abyss. And I was thinking to myself, I wonder what was scarier, being a model and having to be out there for everyone to view you or actually working with these animals and diving into the deep? <laughs> well, they they all have their, their uh, you know, different components for sure. But um but yeah, I love you know my my uh, comfort zone is being underwater. So I always have gravitated towards that. I grew up in the Florida Keys, surrounded by you know living on a rock, surrounded by the beautiful ocean. And um, yeah, I just uh, you know sharks and, and alligators and other marine predators. Uh, I kind of always was a science dork, you know, growing up. And so it it just was a good fit as you know. And I feel really um, fortunate that I've been able to spend so much time in the water. It gives you a a good sense of, of kind of has a way of putting you in your place because it's so powerful and so big. And uh, it's just a good humbling experience always being in the water and uh, being working with sharks and predators like that. You know, I mean, you, you talk about working with sharks and predators like it's no big deal. It's like it's a fly flying around in a room on a wall. <laughs> <laughs> you know? most, people, most people get terrified when they see a shark. What was it like for you the first time you saw a shark? Well, I actually, the first time I saw a shark, I was probably about 12 years old, and my uh, stepdad said, oh, there's a, a nurse shark over here, you know, and those are the ones that lay on the ground, uh, or, let, you know, lay on the bottom, and um, the, I, I didn't know what to expect, and I kind of, you know, my heart raced a little bit, and I swam over, and I was like, oh, you know, it's, it's just laying there and hanging out and everything, and, you know, ironically enough, those are the ones that, that bite people uh 
probably more than many of the other species just because they lay there and people can mess with them and then they're, you know, they're provoked. But um, really, it's like uh, just they're so amazingly just designed and they're being in the water with these animals is just, uh, just mind blowing. Really. I mean, Mm -hmm. they, uh, they're so powerful and so, uh, sleek and majestic underwater, but it's, it's something that the more you understand about the animal's behavior, the more comfort and, and, just the education side of it is so important because you can anticipate what they're going to do based on their movements and how they're holding their body and things like that. So it just can help kind of dispel some of the fears and myths that surround these animals when you understand their behavior. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I, you know, the movie Jaws didn't really help sharks a lot you know, from years and years back. <laughs> no, uh, no, it didn't. And, and, uh, they even have, uh, you know, Peter Benchley definitely, uh, we spent a lot of time um, trying to undo the, you know, kind of the impact that Jaws had on uh, humanizing, you know, sharks as a whole. And uh, there's even the Benchley Awards and things like that where they uh, focus on people doing good conservation work and, and different um, films, films and things like that. So it didn't do a whole lot for this, you know, for shark species, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I was a kid when that movie came out, <laughs> and uh, I remember yeah, I used to be I mean, afraid that, to go in the water. Yeah, and I mean that you know kind of highlights the important role that the media plays too in how animals are portrayed and the language that's used surrounding it. Um, you know, a lot of times when somebody just sees a shark, they'll be like, "Oh, it was being aggressive, and I was attacked by a shark." And it's like the shark is just swimming by; they live there. We're going into their home. And, um, you know, it's funny because uh, it just that people are always surprised if they see a shark. But the thing is, is that there's more and more people going in the water every year and there's more and more of us every year. And, you know, as well as different uh, changes going on with dredging and things like that along the shoreline, which pushes uh, pushes the sharks up and down the coastline and things like that, just because their environment is changing and the food sources are changing. And so. There's there's going to be more sightings, but it, the more understanding that we have about the animals, the better that we can do with coexisting with them and just being smart, you know, and not going in the water when there's fish and feeding going on. Maybe if there's dolphin and things like that that are feeding, that that's probably going to attract sharks as well. And staying out of the water at dusk and dawn and things like that. So there yeah, always is a chance. It's like seeing snakes on Snake Island. You know, it happens. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you make it sound so simple and so practical, and 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 it sounds like a lot of common sense to me once you understand. And and like for as a result of exactly. all the time that you and years that you spent doing this, you you have a, a understanding that says this is how you do it. Yeah, that's right. It really is is it has that component to it where you know taking Snake Island is a good example. Snakes are not necessarily my thing. I don't have a huge fear of them. But I, I'm not an, a snake expert. You know, I don't handle snakes. I don't. I haven't done a whole lot of that type of thing in my past. And what was really key for me of keeping my cool going into this dangerous place was having uh, Brian Fry, Dr. Brian Fry. He's a herpetologist, a snake expert that was part of our team. And, you know, I'd, I'd pick his brain a lot and ask him a lot of questions about this species behavior and, you know, where it tends where it lived, you know, where its ecological niche was and stuff like that. And what I discovered about this was that this this particular species, the golden lance viper, was absolutely 
fascinating. So, you know, over 10,000 years ago, when this island uh, separated from the mainland with the uh, changing sea levels, the, the lancehead was on the island, and it evolved over the years to basically take over the island. And it, it uh, has developed the ability to live from the tops of the trees down to under the rocks, which is really unusual because, you know, on the mainland, there's other competitors and things like this. But mm -hmm. this species has had no natural predator, no natural predator on the island, no other species really to compete with. And so they basically, um, the carrying capacity of the island is just totally um, overloaded. So they're actually being, this species is being studied very heavily because it's not, um, it's not doing really well on this island. There's not enough food and there's too many of them. So I've been told that if you were to lay the snakes out evenly across the island, there would be one snake per square meter, which is a lot of snakes that are really dangerous. And um, anyway, they're uh, at any given time during the day, um, they literally could be anywhere. So our, our, our key was knowing kind of the time of day and the temperature because they're cold-blooded, they're going to follow, you know, whatever temperature they need at that time. So early in the morning, they're going to be kind of chilly. They're going to be in the sun. In the afternoon, they're going to be, you know, trying to get out of the heat of the day and maybe going more into the shadows. The problem came in when it was overcast and we didn't know where they were going to be because it was comfortable temperature everywhere. And those days were exceptionally snaky. <laughs> snaky, I like that. Uh, yes. What, what do you hope viewers, like what do you hope to evoke in your viewers when they see the premiere of the show this evening? And what do you hope they take away from this? Well, um, you know, I think there's really going to be a little bit of something for everybody. Uh, the the best part for me is, uh, you know, having a, an, a degree in anthropology and having studied marine archaeology and things like that is really, I love the historical components of this treasure. It's just uh, in the way that we're able to kind of, you know, bring it documentary style, but in a reality show where you're also dealing with other things like our team dynamics. The five of us are all very strong personalities and we had not worked before together, um, you know, before we got on uh, this expedition. So those dynamics are really entertaining and interesting, I think. But, you know, I hope that people take away um, something about uh, the biology of this place, that it's, you know, absolutely stunningly beautiful and this species is very intriguing and it can be dangerous but it's very docile I will mention that as well um, but if you you know trip or fall or something like that or you knock one in a bush and they're just everywhere but I hope people take away that um, you know the adventure component of it uh, I think that's really fun and exciting but also the historical components that are kind of woven in there very, in a very practically way to still keep it uh, very exciting for the viewer. Yeah, I mean, when when you talked about the history of the island, I I, I was intrigued, and and now that the the situation is that there's more snakes than there's land, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> what are, what what are the snakes going to do? Right, yeah, they just you know it's kind of you evolve or die, right? So mm -hmm. these these snakes also have evolved something that makes them um, exceptionally dangerous. As well, is that their venom has evolved over time to work almost instantaneously when they bite because they 
oftentimes, uh, if they're lucky enough, they feed on uh, seabirds, migratory seabirds that land there. So you can imagine if you're a snake and you bite a bird, you want it to die immediately so that you didn't waste your venom and the calories and then the bird flies away and dies over the ocean or something. So, so it's, it's, it has a lot of uh, very um, exciting and, and dangerous components involved with the with the snakes and the location and uh, the history is the exciting part for me, of course, as well. You know, you hear this passion in your voice for educating people. I mean, I'm taking this as you love to tell people about the knowledge, the the, the about animals, about the ocean. You like to educate people. I really do. Um, you know, seeing I'm so I'm so excited and passionate about um just trying to yeah, help you know, help do what I can to be part of the solution and help educate people about, you know, animals and nature and the environment and, and things like the ocean and ocean health, which I'm very very, you know, they're very near and dear to my heart growing up in the Florida Keys and uh yeah, just just trying to do what I can to be part of the solution and try and make a difference in that way. So it, it is something that, you know, I I uh, try and do what I can um, with any kind of uh, time in the spotlight to share the things that I've I've learned and uh, that I'm that are important to me. Well, who would you say in your life has been the biggest influence on you that led you in the direction of being so bold and pushing the boundaries and doing the things that you do? Oh, wow. Okay. So let's see. I guess, you know, I would have to say my mom, Renee Greer, she, she's a very strong, independent woman. And, um, you know, my parents in general have always been really supportive and kind of instilled in me as a young girl, like you can do anything you set your mind to do. And I took that very seriously. And, uh, and then also, you know, I, my my stepdad, he is uh, kind of an old salty pirate from the Florida Keys, and that <laughs> when my mom and and he married and we moved to the Florida Keys, I was about ten, and that man did that ever change the course of my life? So you know, there's a lot of a uh, lot of good influences in that way, and then also a role model for me growing up, just somebody that I really looked up to and admired, is Dr. Sylvia Earle. She, uh, you know, they they have dubbed her her deepness. She is an amazing uh, marine biologist, and um, she just she has really, you know, broken through that glass ceiling in so many ways uh, for women in marine science and things like that. And she just has an incredible background and career. And I, I finally, she's a member of the Women Divers Hall of Fame as well. And I finally got to meet her this past year, and I was just, oh, neat. I was so excited to meet her. And they just made a, like a a Lego series for Dr. Sylvia Earle. How cool is that? That's cool. Marine science. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, you have like done so many amazing things in your life and now you are going to be on a discovery channel program. What are you most proud of? Like, what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment? Oh, what am I most proud of? You know, I guess, um, I'm, I'm definitely, I, I have to say, of course, my family, right? First and foremost, I have a, I have two wonderful kids, um, stepdaughter who's 11 and then one from scratch. My little boy is, is just over two years old. And that's like my best job I've ever done as being a mom. Um, but also I, I, I definitely, um, my, my record in freediving and establishing the first U.S. record is something that 
you know, I, I, it took so much determination and um, hard work that it's something that laid the foundation, I think, for all the other work that I've done in my life so far and hope to continue to do. And it really also just kind of develops that and instilled in me that love and appreciation for the environment and the ocean. And, um, and uh, yeah, it kind of led me in the direction I am now where I'm working on marine conservation. And uh, I work with a nonprofit out of Boulder, Colorado, called the Colorado Ocean Coalition. If you can believe it, I moved from the Keys to Boulder and got my ocean job there. And I, I lead up the Ocean Ambassador Certification Program. So, you know, it's something that I that the free diving laid that foundation for me throughout all of the different things that I've done. So, wow. what in would a be nutshell, your advice? I think it's all those things. <laughs> yeah, that's huge. What would be your advice to somebody who wants to push the boundaries but might have some type of fear holding them back? Um, I would say that you really need to like sit down and make a plan and figure out if any kind of any of the obstacles that you might see are actually real or if you're just have if you just have them in your head because so many things that we think we can't do or that you know we we are deterred from doing are just because of things that we're we're putting up roadblocks in our own heads and so i would say just to you know try and really focus on what you can do and go for it and those doors will start opening and those roadblocks will really start falling away so i would just say to go for it basically that's great advice. And you sound like a woman who does go for it. Um, give us a little nugget about what we can expect from tonight's premiere of Treasure Island, or Tre- Treasure Quest Snake Island. Well, we're going to have a lot of uh, excitement and dangerous situations wrapped in. And uh, we also are going to have some exciting treasure hunting. And we were able to utilize um, some really cool new technology that's out there so all these things wrapped together and and then of course the story the the story in the background of this island as well so sounds great i mean you're going to be hunting for gold and a lot of people have died uh in search of this gold yeah it definitely has a this treasure has a sordid past for sure it's uh the the story of where it came from and how it's changed hands and had it having to do with pirates and the Jesuit priests and, and it just kind of disappeared, but all that's woven in. And then on top of it, you know, these guys that I was working with are, are just, they're just amazing guys. Like I said, you know, there was five of us. We had never worked together before this expedition and very colorful group of people, strong personalities. And at times we clashed, you know, and we all were there with different motivations and uh, and our team leader Court Graham, he had his hands full at times for sure. <laughs> so, so you know, you know, when the first show airs tonight, you know, w- what is it that people are going to think about you after they see you tonight? Um. Oh my gosh. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I hope that they're that they're uh, thinking that we really, you know, we all brought our A game and uh, that we're we're out there doing what we love doing. So, you know, I, I guess, uh, I hope that they, they take home that I'm, you know, a, a good responsible and, uh, 
exciting adventurer out there living the dream. <laughs> well uh, said. Well, we will be watching, and uh, we look forward to the premiere. It's Treasure Quest Snake Island, airs tonight on Discovery Channel at 10 p.m. Eastern. Megan, thanks so much for stopping by and chatting with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on, you guys. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. You have been listening to the Chat in Manhattan show with your hosts, Kim Ward and Gar Sandiford. Until next time, visit chattinandmanhattan.com for more great stories worth telling.